Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. And I am Ben. This is our first all-new show of the uh, of the brand new year, right? That's right. Yes, sir. The rumors are true. This is our first episode of 2015. We're here with Noel Brown in the studio, and uh, we've been we've been doing some really big stuff. This has been a big year for us. Oh, correct. Yeah, that's right. We're uh, we went into reruns for what just about a week and a half, two weeks, something like that, uh-huh. uh, just to kind of uh, get our bearings for the uh, for the new year. And get things kind of sorted out, ready to go. But I think we're going to hit the ground running with this one. So uh, you want to hit them with the topic today, Ben? Yeah, I would love to. Uh, we always hear toward the end and beginning of the year wrap up things, you know, like predictions, uh, stories that did or didn't make the news, big moments in car history. Sure. But we're taking a different look today because, my friend, and this was your suggestion, we found the worst selling cars of 2014. Ah, uh, yes. Now, okay. I don't know if you could pin this all on me, Ben. I mean, this is because uh, <laughs> this list has some problems that we're going to talk about, right? Um, it is a it's a list from Popular Mechanics, and it caught my eye because you normally see the best selling cars of 2014, or right. the Best selling cars of the previous year, or that month, or whatever, right? The award winners always, and this is the worst selling cars of 2014. And uh, right away, we spotted some uh, some difficulties or some some issues with this list mm-hmm. that uh that we'll we'll talk about um maybe early on before we even get to the list because i think to be honest we'll go through it kind of quick but um these are specific models from manufacturers so it's not like uh you know the overall brand that, right. that sells poorly it's or not like, like uh mercedes in general no 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 but specific Dodge. models from manufacturers and we know that there are problems with this list and a couple of them i'll just tell you right now is that some of these cars in this list are very low-volume vehicles or limited production cars. Right, yeah. And, and that weighs heavily into this. So, you know, it's not truly low sales in some cases. Um, it's 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 kind of exclusivity. Yeah, this is something you and I have been talking about off the air earlier. As we're going to see in this list, there are some cars that are they're listed in terms of absolute number of units sold, so not a percentage of units, anything like that, just the hard numbers per unit. Now, see, that would gain, that would give us a lot more perspective on the whole thing if there were overall production numbers listed as well. Right. You see where I'm going with this? I, I do. Because in some cases, as we're going to find, a car with limited production is going to be portrayed as a worst selling car. But if you think about it, it pretty much sold out. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's kind of the opposite. It's true. like the like, best-selling car. It, it, yeah, I guess you could say it that way, right? We've sold every single one of them. So there's a couple of other things, too. I mean, we, we mentioned that it might be better if you gave overall production numbers, too, so that there's kind of a perspective on this whole thing that, you know, you'd say, well, there were, um, I don't know, 40,000 of these cars produced, but they only sold 2,500. So what's the problem? You know, why why didn't people want them? Right. But those numbers aren't given here. And I tried to find production numbers, overall production numbers for these, I know they're out there. It's difficult. It's really difficult to dig through and find these for this. So, so we're going to go with this list as is, I guess, and, and just read through and and see what you think and understand that you know we we know the issues with it. Oh, one other thing that we should say 
is that cars that were only sold for a few months out of 2014, you know, when production started or ended in 2014, those are included as well. Yeah. So some are starting with uh, with kind of a handicap in saying that, well, it was only sold for the first five months of 2014, or it was only sold for the last three months of 2014. Um, and, and this list goes through November. So, um, you know, it's not entirely accurate right down to the very last vehicle count, uh, you know, because they, they probably likely sold a few more examples in December of 2014. Yeah. Uh, but all these all these disclaimers, Ben, I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> I know it sounds like that's an awful lot, but it was just things that we we noticed about this list right away. You know, that's something that uh, someone may poke some holes in this uh, in this list with and say, that's eh, not really the way it truly is. You guys should open your eyes a little bit and, and look at it in a different way. We always know it's going to be a winner list when one of us says, hey, that was a great idea, and the other one says something like, well, hey, hey, don't pin this on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, that was the, the start of the whole thing. Right. All right, so, you know, as we said, this comes from Popular Mechanics. Mm-hmm. The information, the data comes from Automotive News, and again, it's through November of 2014, so it doesn't include December. Um but it was originally printed in Car and Driver. So this is a Car and Driver article, and there's a couple of extra notes in this that I'm going to include before we even start. Okay. Um, and the Car and Driver intro is just a little bit different than the Popular Mechanics intro, so there's more information there. And they said that, uh, again, it's it's all the way through November of, of 2014. So one thing they say is that exotic and boutique car makers are not broken out by individual models. So they gave them in a separate accounting, I guess, on the front mm-hmm. page of this article. And it says the total U.S. sales for your consideration of these particular makes and models. Um, I should say makes, really, because they don't give models for this one. But, for example, Lotus sold a total of 157 cars in the United States in all of 2014, all the way through November right. of 2014. So uh, same for Lamborghini, 649 cars. Rolls-Royce was 825 cars. That's a total sales in the U.S., of all makes and models of Rolls Royce, which is wild. I'm sorry, all makes of Rolls, yeah, models of Rolls Royce. That's it. Yeah, got it. <laughs> we <laughs> well, got there. Yeah, and Aston Martin is like 1,122. Ferrari, I found actually, I found the 2014 year to date total for Ferrari that was 2,145 Ferrari sold in the United States in in 2014. And Lamborghini was six what? 649. That's interesting. I would have expected them to be a little bit more neck and neck. And this is going somewhere, I'll tell you about All right. Uh, yeah, I thought they would be close, too, but uh, it's, it's a blow away for uh, Ferrari. Um, and then Bentley is 2,591 vehicles um, through November of 2014. Hmm. So, and here's the main point, I guess, is that combined, all these automakers account for approximately one car sold for every 366 GM products to leave the U.S. showroom floor um in the first 11 months of 2014. So, wow. so take that 7,269, uh-huh. multiply it by 366, you know, vehicles, yeah. units, I guess they call it in this case. And then and you get roughly 2.66 million vehicles in, in uh, 11 months that GM sold alone. That's just General Motors. That's Holy not smokes. the other manufacturers. So car sales are huge here in the United States. And mm-hmm. we'll talk about, um, 20, you know, 2015 project projections and also overall 2014 numbers, which I have that we can include at the end as well. Well, that sounds awesome. Let's jump right into it. We'll start with the Mercedes-Benz G-Class. Scott, how many units did that sell? 2,715 units, and this is number 13 on our list. So we're going to go down from here. Mm-hmm. The numbers are going to get smaller. And uh, the G-Class, I mean, this is a, this is a car that's been around for 36 years now, Ben. And it's been on kind of the edge of extinction, as they say it in this yeah. article. Uh, but there's a there's a dedicated fan base that apparently is very wealthy that keeps bringing this thing back. Uh, because I'll tell you the uh, the MSRP on this, and I've done this for all these vehicles. Yeah, MSRP is between one hundred and fifteen thousand four hundred dollars all the way up to one hundred and forty one thousand dollars if you get the AM, AMG version. So every time Dang. you see one of those boxy Mercedes SUVs on the road. <laughs> You know they at least spent if if they bought it new at least one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars on that thing if not more. Um, mm-hmm. I had no idea that they were that expensive. I really did. The, the G wagon. Yeah, I, I knew they were going to be pricey just because of the brand's price point. Mm-hmm. But it's it's really startling when you see whenever a luxury company car manufacturer goes into SUVs like mm-hmm. the Lincoln Navigator. They're surprisingly expensive. Yeah, I mean, and you know the, the mile. I mean, you're not buying it for 
uh, very practical purposes. Right, really. I would say. Um, yeah, I mean, it's got, I think the horsepower ranges from 382 all the way up to 536 mm-hmm. is, is possible if you get the, again, the AMG version. And um, the other thing is that the mileage isn't all that great. I mean, no. it, it, the mileage, get this, it says up to 12 miles per gallon in the city. Up to. Up to. Up to, yeah. So that's kind of like, you know, the way the uh, Hummer H2 was. Remember that? Uh-huh. Very, very low. And then 15 on the highway is about what you can expect. And this is, I said 36 years. This is one of the, one of the longest, uh, produced vehicles in Mercedes-Benz Daimler history. Yeah. Um, 36 years. The Unimog. Remember we talked about the Unimog? Oh, yeah, yeah. A while back, a few years ago, I wow, think. Wow, yeah. That's the, a good, that was a good show. The Unimog is the only vehicle that Daimler has produced longer than the G-Class. And that was, uh, I think the Unimog has been around since about 1951. Mm-hmm. Now, the the interesting thing, I think, about the G-Class or the G-Wagen is that it has been continually updated over its time. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the Bug or the Beetle was pretty much just the same car for a while. Sure. And, um, you know, when it had its big resurgence and its big update, it turned a lot of heads. But people have been continually improving upon the Mercedes-Benz uh, G-Class, and it definitely has a reputation for luxury. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know the Shah of Iran was involved in making the military version of this that existed beforehand. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that, but uh, I could I could picture a Shah in one of these. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's a great Top Gear quote, um, and listeners, uh, you guys know Scott and I love Top Gear. Uh, they, they said about the, um, G63, they called it one of the worst cars you can buy right now. Oh my gosh. And they said that unlike, say, a Land Rover Defender or even the off-road capable big tired 6x6 version, this has no purpose in life other than annoying us poor people. <laughs> oh man, that's pretty harsh. Well, it seems like it's a divisive car. I guess so. You know what? We can uh, we can move on to number twelve if you're sure. if you're ready. Yeah. And I think we can kind of step through these maybe a little faster. That I just happen to have a bunch of notes on the G wagon. It's, <laughs> it's an interesting vehicle, but um, right. you know, a few we'll stop at a little longer. Others okay. we'll we'll kind of skim over. So number twelve on the list is the Infiniti QX50, mm-hmm. and they sold two thousand five hundred and three units in uh, the first eleven months of twenty fourteen. That doesn't sound all that bad, really, to me. No, it's it's interesting too because it's a crossover, mm-hmm. and uh, the an entry level crossover. Yes, and that's that's surprising yep. to me because when you say an entry level crossover, because that is a hot market right now. People want crossover vehicles. Mm-hmm. They still want SUVs and trucks, as we'll find out. Because when I get to these uh, these twenty fourteen overall <laughs> totals, it's very telling what people bought here in the United States. Oh yeah, I bet and I can guess why too. So this is entry level. All right, so so we're talking an MSRP of like between thirty five thousand all the way up to about thirty eight or thirty nine thousand dollars, and I would think that an entry level crossover of this brand in particular, because this is uh, Infinity, this is like the um, the luxury division of Nissan. Right. Yeah. So you would think that something priced that attractively and that type of package, you know, it's it's exactly what the people are buying right now, crossover vehicles. You would think that it would be a huge seller for them. Well, it it was formerly known as the EX, right? Yeah. And uh, they shuffled the name around in 2013. Sales of the model are uh, increasing, right? Yeah. The, so on the, the right track. It's weird though because that that number, which again, as as we said, doesn't count December. Uh, that number of 2,503 units is 34 percent higher than it was last year. Wow! So it's doing very well, actually. Right. So it's deceptive yeah. that it's on this list. I mean, it comes in at number 12, which was kind of high, I guess, but, um, depending on how you look at the list, I suppose. Right. And as you mentioned, you know, the, the switch over here, the, uh, the nomenclature switch over in 2013, right? Yeah. Late 2013 for the 2014 model year. Well, in 2014, Infinity changed the model names across its entire lineup. So that's kind of changed things up. It, it confused a lot of people. Right. Is this the same car? Yeah. They're exactly. Asking themselves. Exactly. Right. So the 2014 sedans, you now use the Q prefix, uh, with the exception of the G sedans, which is its own series of sedans. Right. And then the 2014 crossovers and SUVs now use the QX prefix, just like the one we just talked about, the QX50. Mm-hmm. So changing that up, it makes people confused and, you know, pull out their hair trying to figure out which vehicle's which, but, uh, I think you <laughs> talk to the dealer, you'll understand. Number so, 11. Yes. Number 11. Now this one, oh, this is exciting, Ben. 
Sort of. Yeah. The uh, Chevrolet SS uh, coming in at number 11 on our list with 2,386 units. Scott, I just want to read this first sentence verbatim. Okay. Is that okay? Sure. All right. Perfected in an era when run and shine was still conceivably a line you might put on a resume, the formula of combining a big V8 with a four-door crap can reached its pinnacle with the Chevrolet SS. Ah, but then they go on to say that this is anything but a crap can. <laughs> because, and that's yeah. important to say that it's not a crap can. It's it's actually a very nimble vehicle. Yeah, it, it handles it, really well. It stops, turns, goes fast, does everything that it should, right? This is a car, and I, you know what, let's just point this out up front. This is mm-hmm. a car that is an Australian car. Yep. It's a, it's a Holden vehicle. It's, uh, it's the same thing as the Holden VF Commodore sedan that sold over in Australia. And I, I make that point because this kind of in the United States here is a bit like the replacement for the G8 sedan that Pontiac had. Mm-hmm. And they had that going for just a short amount of time before Pontiac, of course, went under. The, the brand is now defunct. Right. So, and that was also a vehicle that was built by, by Holden as well in Australia. So, um, I think it's important to get that out there. It's an expensive car. It's forty five thousand up to about uh, forty eight thousand dollars if you get extra options on this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's a very powerful sedan. It's a V eight, a six point two liter V eight engine, four hundred and fifteen horsepower in this sedan. It, it's I'll tell you, Ben. When I said it's sort of exciting, I guess I, <laughs> I I mean it must be a blast to drive. I bet it would be a lot of fun. But looking at the photos, now I know the photo we see right here, it's on a racetrack. It has, looks like it has a body kit of some kind on it. Yeah. Looks very cool. I mean, they're pretty big in racing. There's, uh, the International V8 Supercars Championship has, uh, some teams running Holdens and Commodores. All right. So I understand it's a powerful, fun, yeah. fast car to drive. I get all that. But when I look at photos of these things on the streets, like, you know, when people submit photos, not the manufacturer photos, right? not the photos that are taken on the racetrack like this one. That but, we're like, at. look what I saw. Yeah, I saw this on the street here in, uh, you know, Royal Oak, Michigan or wherever. Uh, when I see that photo, um, I'm not really that blown away by this thing. But uh, oh. but it's kind of, again, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? Yeah, it is true. It's uh, It reminds me a bit of well maybe not so much with the body kit but without a body kit just stock it reminds me a bit of a sleeper car and i can't even i can't even say that it's a body kit i know that they're they're tricky about the way they shoot these things it's just the right angle it's just the right <laughs> it's the right color of vehicle it's in the right setting i know that i know i'm being fooled by this photo um i've seen others that look pretty similar to it but i think there's some modification going on there mm-hmm. it's a, it's a cool looking vehicle in some in some cases but in other cases i'm not really all that uh that blown away by it, but I would love to drive a sedan with 415 horsepower. Don't get Are me you wrong. kidding? Yeah, I would love to drive it up to the moment I got arrested, <laughs> which would probably be uh, nearly immediately. Pretty soon, yeah, yeah I yeah. might make it to the interstate, and if I do, then it's over. Our next car, however, speaking of, oh, this is this is interesting. So I'll I'll do the list and the number, but then I have a a tangentially related thing that I think you'll find interesting. Got it. All right, so how many times can I say interesting in a sentence, right? Yeah, well, I don't know. Was that three or four? <laughs> that was, I'm, I think I'm batting six. So our next vehicle is the BMW Z4. And how many units did that sell? 1,983. So we're getting, we're getting smaller. We're into the sub 2,000 units. This is fascinating, Scott. A UC Berkeley study a few years back found that, uh, they were, they were studying the relationship between wealth and driving. Uh, and you know what kind of driver you were on the road. Okay. So they did this experiment where they would have a pedestrian on the curb about to walk and then walk out into the street at a crosswalk, so it's not jaywalking, and they would have somebody watching and note the car that someone was driving and how they behaved. Hmm. And what they found is that people who had nicer cars were like four times less likely to stop for a pedestrian and they were also, there were a couple other like traffic rules they would violate. So you're talking like luxury brands like Mercedes, mm-hmm. BMW, et cetera. And they also found that there was one type of car that was head and shoulders above the rest in bad drivers. Oh boy. And it was BMW. It was BMW. You know what? I bet a lot of people could have guessed that <laughs> right when you started talking about this. I, and I, I know it's a, a terrible stereotype, but, uh, yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, for all the uh, the others out there that drive BMWs, there's mm-hmm. there's the other group of BMW drivers that that are kind of jerks on the road, and I know that other people notice that as well. I mean, I clearly that that study is, I mean, they're kind of leaning that way. They can't. I don't know how they can uh, can say for sure that that group of drivers 
are the ones that uh, I'm having trouble with the the data, the maybe, methodology. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe we'll have to investigate that a little deeper. Yeah, I think they I think they were making some leaps, but if they're yeah. just ticking off, you know, oh, this car comes through here and this. Well, probably that's the thing, Scott. It probably wasn't a BMW Z4 because they didn't sell that many. That's true. Yeah, yeah. And this is a, this is kind of a different uh, different bird here, right? I mean, yeah. this is a, a different vehicle. But there's some bad news about this too. And I mean, it was just in the short little paragraph about this. Um, uh, the guy, his name is uh, Ian Robertson. He's uh-huh. the BMW sales chief, and he says that the market is roughly half of what it used to be for sports car sales in the U.S. and in Europe. So half of what it used to be. Can you believe that? He said post 2008, it just collapsed. He says, I'm not, he says, I'm not even sure if it will ever fully recover. So we may see lower and lower numbers on these things in the future. Um, as we said, you know, just under 2000 units were sold here in the United States of the Z4. And that's a little bit, uh, surprising. I mean, I see a bunch of these on the road. It might be just the area we live in because I feel like I see a lot of Z4s here in could, Buckhead. Could be. And we could also be seeing 2013 models. That's a very good point. Uh, it doesn't have to all be 2014. So, uh, but they're kind of expensive. I mean, between 49,000 and all the way up to about almost $66,000 if you get the, uh, the S drive 35 IS model. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it can be pricey. Kind of depends on the options and the, uh, the, uh, the, the exact model that you choose. But, um, that's too bad. I, I would hate to see, cars like this go away yeah i really like the shape of this car i like the style of it and it, you notice it you know mm-hmm. and say what you will with stereotypes about bmw drivers but i love bmws well i do too and i would truthfully i would drive one today if i could if i if i had the opportunity to buy one and it was you know the right car for me and all that yeah i love bmws i think they're a fantastic car have so, you been uh, combing through Craigslist? I, you know, secretly, yes, I have. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, for all kinds of things, but uh, occasionally I'll search the BMWs. Yes. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of MoviePhone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Yeah. So speaking of 
the complete opposite of good-looking cars. Next on our list is the Scion IQ. Yeah, I said it. What? I don't like it. No, are you kidding? It looks, man, it's... I thought, you know, you and I, we, we have the hatchback thing. We like the hatchback yeah. cars, right? I, this, to me, is is a really cool design. I, you know, it's just not, it's not doing it for me. The To be frank with you, and this is just my opinion, uh, Scion in general, hmm. I just don't agree with their design choices. I, I don't even know who you are right now. <laughs> this is, I, I, I really thought that we were going to be on the same page with this one because I like the Scion IQ. And uh, this one sold uh, just slightly fewer than Z4. It sold 1,953 units in the first 11 months of 2014. Yeah. And it's a low price vehicle. It's about 15665 That's the MSRP. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do like this car. Now, the thing about it is, though, I like this car. I like it in its stock form. It's fine. Sure. But I really like this car when you see, like, you know, the cars that they bring to C- the SEMA show. Um, you know, when they lower them a little bit, they put wide tires on them, a, a little, you know, maybe a wide body kit, uh-huh. they darken the windows. Um, it's just a, it's a much better looking vehicle. I think it's got a lot of potential for customization. Okay. And I think it looks really cool. Of course, the engine will, will require some effort as well because, uh, right now it only has a 1.3 liter four cylinder engine that has less than 100 horsepower. Um, now it's a tiny car, so it doesn't really need a lot more than that. But, right. Um, it's a subcompact. Yeah, this is this is the car. I mean, it makes the Smart for Two look big when it's parked next to it. That's what it is. It's like the back third of the car is missing. Really? That's you what think it, that's it what it looks like to you? It I, just it, it feels like it ends abruptly. I mean, I get it if you're doing uh, city driving, right? You live in an urban area, yeah. then you need to be able to park, and that that's an advantage. But uh, I. I'm just not sold on it, man. I mean, it's basically a city car, really, because, yeah. you know, here in the United States, we use it as like a, like a commuter car, I guess, because it has two seats up front, of course, and it has a third seat in the back, which, well, it actually has four seats, but it has a third seat in the back, mm-hmm. uh, one that can accommodate an adult for short distances, is how they put it in the uh, <laughs> right, marketing yeah, info, yeah. right? Um, and a fourth seat that can hold a child. So they don't even say that it can hold four adults or anything like that. They just mm-hmm. say... It has a third seat in the back for short distances. And if that's what you like, then that's fine. Uh, I've got to point out as well, uh, this is somewhat better known to some people as the Aston Martin Signet. Ah, yes, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. They, uh, they branded the Aston Martin with, uh, or I'm sorry, the Scion with the Aston Martin badge and some uh, some upgraded features, right? Yeah, and they did it so that Aston Martin can comply with the EU uh, emission standards. That's yeah, a dirty little trick, isn't it? That's what it is. That, and it's expensive too. I think, it I don't is. remember the price on the, uh, on the Signet, but, um, oh boy. Anyway. They, so they also had really low sales. Um, I think before they stopped producing it in 2012, maybe? The Signet? No, 2013. Okay. Yeah. In uh, September 2013, they stopped producing it and their annual sales were like 150 units. I've never seen one on the road. They, I don't know. They I'm, weren't sold in the U.S. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. And, yeah. Uh, so I likely never will. Hey, we can take a field trip to <laughs> London. All right. So number eight, the Jaguar XK. How many units sold, Ben? 1364. Mm-hmm. 1364. Yeah. Now we're talking about the, uh, you know, the second generation of XK models, um, you know, between 2006 and 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the, the body style that we're talking about. And, um, well, actually, you know what? This is one of those ones that we needed to, uh, I guess put a uh, an asterisk on. Yes. Um, I don't think we did that on the uh, the Chevy SS. Now that I think about it. Let me oh, just, uh, we you know, didn't, and that's very important, ladies and gentlemen. One of the reasons that the Chevy SS got robbed and put on this list is because it was on sale for just a few months. Ah, uh, yes, and that's the exact same case with the uh, with the Jaguar XK. Uh, the last XK came off the assembly line. Uh, I think it was around July of 2014. So really uh-huh. for only the first, uh, what is that, seven months? Yeah. Only the first seven months they were producing the car. So, uh, you know, again, that's one of the difficulties with this list is that, you know, it, it's only in there for seven months. Can you really score it according to the other vehicles that were on sale for 12 months? Not really, in my opinion. Yeah, um, it's it's not an even comparison. They're expensive. It's eighty four five for the uh, for the coupe and 90000 for the convertible version. Um you know, the F-Type, I guess, the F-Type Jaguar is the replacement for this vehicle. So right. um, is it almost, I guess you can't even do it that way. I would say 
is it fair to uh, to take you know the F type sales and add from, the numbers? Yeah, but you can't really do that because it's yeah. a different car. So. I don't know, man. Ah, uh, yeah. You know what? Can I tell you something interesting about this that I read? Yeah. This is a uh, a tangential side note on this vehicle. <laughs> if anything, I mean, it's a crazy one. Um, okay, so the uh, the Jags chief designer, his name is Ian Callum, right? Mm-hmm. He said that and this is back when uh, when he's revealing this vehicle at uh, I, th- I want to say the Geneva Show in two thousand five. He said this. He said that his inspiration for the second generation XK, which is the body we're talking about, the inspiration for the XK came from his, uh, and I'll quote this, admiration for British actress Kate Winslet's curves. So this body style is has been inspired by actress Kate Winslet. Weird. Yeah, isn't that strange? Now, I mean, and and the grill came from the 1961 Jaguar E-Type, but uh, but who cares about that, right? So uh-huh. well, uh, we're talking about Kate Winslet's uh, body shape <laughs> is what is what was the inspiration for the for the second gen XK model from Jaguar? How weird is that? It's so weird. I know it's a strange side note, but uh, and I guess it's true. I mean, I haven't really dug into it more than just the one account that I found of this thing, so I'm going to have to look into it, but. Um, does uh, does strange. Kate Winslet know? I I would guess she does. I Has mean, anyone told her? It seems like something like that would uh, make the rounds and get to her. You know, mm-hmm. weird. Now we're a family show, so before we go any further, let's move to the next item on our list: the Nissan GTR. Now I have very little to say about this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sold twelve hundred and eighty units uh, last year. Yeah, and. Uh, the reason I have very little to say about it is because we did a two-part podcast on this uh, last year. We did. Yeah, we did a two-part GTR podcast. I think it was around March of 2014 that we did that. If you want all the information you could ever get about the <laughs> Nissan GTR, it's it's all right there. This is number seven on our list. Again, 1,280 units. That's not a whole lot, but it's expensive. It's between 101000 uh, roughly $102,000. Up to about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars if you get the Nismo version. Uh-huh. So it's a pricey vehicle, uh, very cool. We see a bunch of these around town, around here yeah. in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and um, it seems to be a very popular car here. Um, as far as like if you're going to buy a supercar. Um, so, anyways, we've got this uh, this podcast from March of last year. If you want to know all about it, go there. And it has uh, it has all that you wanted to know. And more. Yes, I would say so. <laughs> Probably more. <laughs> more than you want to know. Probably more. Yeah. Uh, so next on our list, then, uh, we're breezing through this one in the Kia K900. Yeah, this is a strange vehicle, isn't it? Probably a lot of people have never seen a Kia K900, and there's maybe a good reason. First point reason <laughs> is that only 1,237 units were sold last year in the United States. Uh, maybe they're more popular elsewhere, I don't know. But the, the thing is about the K900, and a lot of people don't even know about this model, it's a, it, it's a nearly $60,000 Kia. And that's the problem, I think. I think that's the biggest issue here, a $60,000 Kia. I um, mean, you can get a, a base version, the uh, the premium version, they call it, for $54,500. Uh, but if you get the luxury version, it's $59,900. And even though it's loaded with comfort and luxury features and gadgets and all that stuff, yeah, um, it's it's not really what they call a uh, like a, a, a well handling. It's not a it's not a good road going car. Um, it's got all the luxury features and it's, and it's, you know, software, it's supposed to be soft, but, um, as far as like, you know, competing with, uh, with the vehicles in that class, I guess, you know, like the, the BMWs and the sure. Mercedes, yeah. it doesn't really keep up as far as a driver's car goes. And it's weird when, it's weird when a company is known for creating a certain type of car mm-hmm. or price point. Uh, it's, it's always strange and risky to move away from that, you know, like luxury car makers get just murdered. People heap criticism upon them for making a supercar that's a little bit too cheap. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we talked about BMW, you know, just a moment ago, but that's a definite, that's a driver's car. The, the Mercedes, yeah. when you get up to that level, those are driver's cars. Those are cars that, that have good road feel and they're crisp, they're nimble, mm-hmm. they're all that stuff, right? Um, from what I've heard, and I've never driven one, the Kia K900 is not that way. I mean, it's it's full of luxury and all that stuff that I mentioned before, but um, it's just not good competition in in that price range for those vehicles. Now, I know the German cars are going to be a bit more expensive. The uh, you know, um, they're just a lot costlier for the same type of vehicle with the same features, right? But they're much better driving vehicles, so the, the driver will appreciate it a lot more on a long trip. So let's talk about the next one. And I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this one, man. Okay. The Cadillac ELR. Yeah, sold just 1,192 units in 2014, the first 11 months. 
Um, I'll tell you, I like the looks of it. I think it's a, I think it's a good looking car. Right. But uh, I'm not a fan of the, uh, the price. I'll tell you that. Yes. Yeah. What's that price? The price is about MSRP is about $75,000. And essentially what you're getting here, I mean, I just want to be outright with this. Be candid. Yeah. It's a Volt with a Cadillac body. Yeah. A Chevy Volt. And it's more than forty thousand dollars. Yeah, because the pricier. Volt. Yeah, the Volt has the MSRP of around uh, about thirty five thousand dollars, a little bit less. This is seventy five thousand dollars for the Cadillac ELR. Now I know that that gets you loads of extra features, luxury features. Sure. And, you know the body style that you want and the Cadillac name, and of course everybody knows you're going to pay more for the premium brand. I get all that. Right? Yeah. I understand. It's it's really beautiful car, in my opinion. It's but it's very similar. To the uh, almost exactly identical to the ATS coupe or the CTS coupe body design, and those are you know the MSRP for those are around uh, between thirty seven thousand thirty nine thousand something like that for a Cadillac that looks similar. And I think that you know again, I just feel that like that's just the way to go right now. I don't yeah. think that I don't think that um, I'm on board yet enough to go with an all electric Cadillac. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of MoviePhone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. But is it really a Cadillac? See, that's where I keep going back to. Like, is it a Cadillac just because you put a different body on it? I don't know. I mean, it just seems, it just seems to me like maybe people just don't want this car. Like they just don't want to (laughs) buy, they don't want to pay $75,000 for a Cadillac that's electric when they can get the same thing from the Chevy Volt. You know, it would be somebody who's really, uh, 
um, interested in labels. You know, somebody who, uh, who, who loves to say that they've got the latest and greatest technology. Somebody that, uh, that feels they need the luxury of the Cadillac, but they want to be kind of responsible and have the, uh, the hybrid. I understand all that. I get it. But uh-huh. that seems to be the person that that's for. I think if somebody were to really, you know, if they don't care about all that other stuff, I think they're either going to go for the Chevy Volt, which is much, much less, mm-hmm. or they're going to go for the, uh, you know, the, the gasoline, uh, uh, Cadillac. Right. You know, either the ATS Coupe or the CTS Coupe, which is considerably less money. I mean, $35,000 less in some cases. I mean, that's a big difference. So speaking of a big difference, as we move on, we're going to have a combo for you guys. We have two cars from the same manufacturer hmm. that both yeah. made the list. Well, wait a second, though. Uh, you didn't tell me what you think of the ELR, the Cadillac ELR. Uh, all right. I know I sound very negative in the episode today, but guys, this is going to be my second time shooting down a car. I don't like the L- ELR. I'm okay with the Chevy Volt, but don't put a Chevy Volt in Cadillac clothing and, and try to sell it to me as though it is a Cadillac. Yeah. And also, also, what do Cadillac buyers actually want? Because it's probably not a Chevy Volt. Now, manufacturers do this all the time with platform sure. sharing yeah. and all that stuff. I mean, that was big. Remember that started when was it the 80s, I mm-hmm. think? Yeah. And it's, and it's kind of been going on since then. So I understand why they do that. I understand, you know, the, the, the need to do that to make it affordable for them. I get it. Right. Yeah. But you're right. Why not make it? You know, a step above. Make you know, make an alteration to it somehow, so that it so that it does say Cadillac versus uh, versus you know the Chevy Volt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just I, I don't know how to describe it better than that. But it, you're right. It seems to ha- it seems to need some more differentiation between the Chevrolet Volt and the Cadillac. Uh, yes, Cadillac spot Mark, on. I guess. Differentiation is a good word. So yeah. so that's the reason I don't I don't care for it because it seems like uh, it seems like just the the same phone with a different phone case <laughs> okay I, I get it yeah i think we're beating a dead horse let's uh let's move on to uh to the uh the twofer as you mentioned here, ah, right yes yes uh, number four is the audi tt and they sold uh 1146 units yes now there's probably a very good reason for that and uh and i think here's exactly why the sales were a little bit slower for the tt in 2014 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's got to be because of the uh, the third generation TT that's going to be coming out, uh, I think in 2015. Uh, yeah, I had 2016. Oh, 2016. is when when you can actually buy it. Ah, okay, so 2016. Okay, got it. Yeah, and uh, this this is interesting. It makes sense if you think about it, because of course, if you're about to drop how much on an Audi TT? Uh, between forty and forty three thousand dollars right now. If you're going to spend that much money, then you don't want to buy. And something that will become an older generation car very quickly. Yeah, because it'll look old almost immediately because, you know, compared mm-hmm. to the new one, that's totally understandable. Um, and the thing is, though, it's been a, a hot seller for Audi for a long, long time. I mean, yeah. since the, since the vehicle debuted, and I don't remember exactly when that was. Um, oh, shoot, I wish I could remember. Um, but it has sold, the TT has sold more than 500,000 copies mm-hmm. um, of the coupe and the convertible since the first generation debuted. So, um, it's, oh, been a, uh, it's been a great seller. 1998. 19, very good. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a big seller for Audi. Yeah. And I think it will continue to be that way. This one particular year, the reason it landed on this list, I believe, is simply because that third generation is coming out and people know about it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. after that, I think we're going to see a big jump in sales. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. So here's the, uh, the second one on the list from Audi. And this comes in at number three. So even less units than that. Um, the and, Audi R8. And this is a heck of a drop. 671 units. Yeah, it goes way down here, right? 671 units now, but this is a, uh, this is a supercar. Yeah, it's a very specialized vehicle. Way. Yeah, it's a V8 or V10 powered vehicle. Um, it's got a seven speed automatic or, you know, a six speed manual. It has a gated shifter. If you get that manual transmission, that's really cool. Um, 550 horsepower V10 plus version is, is available, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. <laughs> um, and that was brand new for 2014. So that may have to do with, you know, some of these sales, I would guess. Right. Um, but you know, I don't know. This just seems like one of those cars that like, well, of course there's only 671 sold. It's, it's a very exclusive model. It's yeah. Ex- it's, it's in the rarefied area. Yeah. It's yeah. expensive. It's uh it's between, if you get the coupe, it's 116,000. 
if you get the convertible, it's it's nearly one hundred and thirty thousand dollars for this car. I mean, it's expensive. It's uh, it's not meant to be a high volume vehicle for Audi. And exactly, I mean, that's why it's on this list. I understand, but can you really call it one of the worst selling cars? I, I don't know if you can do that. Yeah, I, it all goes back to the metric and the yeah. way that you just measure in absolute numbers. I mean, we're going to see that more and more in our next two. Well, definitely, yeah. So we get down to you know these top three here. I think are are definitely that case. These mm-hmm. are not exactly boutique cars, mm-hmm. uh, but they're but they're very low production vehicles. So uh, number two on our list is the 2015 Dodge Viper SRT, and that's mm-hmm. 2015 model year, sold in 2014. Six hundred and seventy one units here. Yeah. 671, the same number as the Audi R8. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Viper, though, is, I'm a big fan of Vipers. I am too. Yeah. Uh, these are great machines. Uh, V10 engine, and, uh, it's, it had really bad sales or really slow sales from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they fixed that, right? They, uh, they mm-hmm. decided, okay, remember they launched this brand new vehicle and it was the SRT branded vehicle and, we're not really Dodge anymore, but we're the SRT brand. And there was this whole uh, marketing. Angle. I don't know if it's really marketing. It was just they were trying to separate that division from the other part of, uh, I guess it would be Fiat now, right? Yes. So, okay, this is kind of strange to think of it as Fiat. But um, right when it first came out, they had re- a really high price, but the, they chopped $15,000 off the price. And that kind of uh, uh, gave them a resurgence. It, it allowed them to sell many more of these. And so I think that, you know, we're going to see... Uh, maybe an increase in sales for next year. I mean, above something above the 671 that we saw for the first 11 months. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, these are amazing cars, and it's right around $85,000 is what you'll pay for this. Again, a limited volume car, very, very low volume, uh, 640 horsepower. You mentioned a V10 engine, right? Right. Very, very strong. It's just a, it's a, it's a great car. I think we, we've talked about these at length on our podcast before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. There's just so many cool things about this. I mean, there's a, a million footnotes we could talk about the uh, the Viper, but uh, maybe today is not the day. <laughs> so, uh, so let's move on to our number one car on this list, and then we'll talk about the uh, 2014 overall sales and a couple of predictions for 2015. Couple of predictions, and yeah. And we'll wrap it up. But number one on this list, this is going to be a shocker for a lot of people, I think. I think so too. The Porsche 918 Spider. They sold just 57 units here in the United States last year in the first 11 months. Mm-hmm. And this is a this, this is maybe the most deceptive number of them all. Yeah, this is not uh, your grandmother's Oldsmobile. It has 887 horsepower, 944 pound feet of torque. Uh, it's got that mid mounted V8 and a pair of electric motors. Okay, so it's a it's an unusual vehicle. Right? Yeah, for we, sure. And we've talked about the uh, the materials that this thing's made uh-huh. of, the carbon fiber reinforced plastic, and yeah. It's just a, it's an incredible vehicle. It's amazing, but it's very very low production numbers. Nine hundred and eighteen of these cars will be built, and that's it. That's mm-hmm. that's it. It's it's done after nine hundred and eighteen. And so when we say that fifty seven were sold last year, that's very deceptive because the entire production is sold out. I mean, it's it, every car that they have made or will make. And you know what? I've got the production here. Um, as it turns out. We're going to receive here in the United States a total of about 297 of those 918 cars when it's all said and done. Uh-huh. And the production of these things, this is kind of strange a little bit. It goes from 2013 to 2014 as the model year 2013 Porsche 918 Spider. So I think I think the way this is working, even if you buy it in 2014, it's still considered a 2013 model year. Huh. I believe. Now, I think I think that's the way it's going. I'm not exactly sure about that. Uh, but production did begin in 2013, in September of 2013. Deliveries began around December of 2013. And then as of December 2014, so just a, one month ago, right. all of the production was sold out. So it's it's a very good selling vehicle. It's not really the worst selling vehicle. It's maybe the best selling vehicle, yeah. if you want to look at it that way. Yeah. Right? As we said, and it's, you guys, this thing is so cool because when we were shooting uh, some videos, we got a chance to see uh, the Porsche 918 up close and personal. Yeah, the prototype, the, uh, yeah, the concept, the original the, concept car. Pretty cool. It was really amazing to be there, and it's uh, it's it's um, striking in person. It's it's much mm-hmm. better to see it in person than to see any photo of it. It's it's incredible. If you get a chance to be near one, or you see one at a show, or it's on exhibit at some museum, definitely go to take a look at it. I'd love to hear one. You know, start up and, and drive and run. Of course, I'd like to, you know, ride and want to drive one. But, sure. Um, just to even 
hear it, I think, would be remarkable in person. You know, I don't know if I'll ever have that chance. Maybe. Maybe we will. Maybe. Never say never. I guess so. I mean, it's an expensive car. It's $845,000. That's where it starts at. That's yeah. starting MSRP. That's basic. Day. That's without the radio. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so you know, when you look at it that way, okay, it's it's nearly a million dollars, near, nearly one million dollars. They're going to make 918 of them. And people said, yeah, I'll, I'll write that check ahead of time to you. Just send it when it's ready. I mean, that's pretty remarkable that they've sold all of them ahead of time. They, I know that a lot of cars like this sell out ahead of production even, before they're even built. Yeah. Uh, so, so again, I think this is maybe the best-selling car, which, you know, is is pegged as being the worst-selling car, but I understand where they're going here. It only sold 57 units here in the U.S. in, in 2014. So now let's look at something much bigger. So those are the 13 arguably worst-selling cars mm-hmm. of 2014. Sure. But what were the overall sales numbers of 2014 in the US and this is uh, this is actually really good news and I'll keep it kind of brief because I know we're going to wrap up here pretty soon but uh US sales of cars and light trucks totaled 16.52 million uh this this is amazing this is for all of 2014 this is including December um this is the first time they've crossed the 16 million mark since 2006 Ben so car wow. sales are way up this is new car sales that's nearly 1 million more sales uh, than there were in 2013. So, um, you know, these are brand new numbers. These came out just, uh, I believe, January 5th of this year. So uh, car sales are on the rise here in the U.S., and it seems like they're going to be going up because the 2015 predictions say that, you know, analysts are, are looking at the, the end of 2014 and saying uh-huh. for 2015, the predictions, uh, they anticipate sales of around 17 million vehicles this year in the United wow. States, brand new vehicles. So. Um, there's lots of room to grow here. Uh, pretty, pretty cool. And if you want to break these down, uh, just this kind of the last little thing that I have here. So among this year's highlights, if you want to kind of put it that way, sure. um, the, the trucks, including SUVs outsold cars, um, as they typically do. I think that's always the case, right? Cause usually that, uh, that Ford F-150 is on top, right? Um, but together the sales in this category rose about 10%. So, so truck sales and SUV sales in the U S last year were something like, 8.6 million vehicles. Wow. It's just a rounded number. But, and if you separate out the SUVs and the crossover vehicles, um, those sales were up as well. The SUVs and crossovers, this is, this was getting back to, remember that infinity that we talked about? And right, it's a, yeah. a, kind of a hot market. Mm-hmm. The crossover and SUV vehicles are 5,381,431 vehicles. That's a huge number. And we could speak a little bit to that as well. The rising popularity of pickup trucks and SUVs, or maybe it's better to call it a resurgence, mm-hmm. uh, is, Almost completely due to uh, falling oil prices. Really? Do you think so? Now, okay, I've got I've got another uh, opinion on this whole thing. I think that you, uh, you, the people from the U.S., the uh, the U.S. citizens, I think they just love trucks and SUVs. I really do. That's part. Yeah, that's it, totally part of it. But now it also feels like it's. Um, less of a bad decision like the people who were driving hummers were kicking themselves sure when gas prices shot through the roof but now people feel like it's okay to buy that um very thirsty truck I that understand. you want yeah. yeah we're a fickle bunch aren't we i mean it's <laughs> a, it's funny because yeah. like you know th- these could take a turn next month and and then you're back in the same place right i mean you're still paying for a vehicle that's only getting 12 miles per gallon or less or whatever it is but uh but i think that you know U.S. citizens just love trucks, and and there's a good reason for this. I mean, remember the uh, the Ford F-150 that we talked about? Oh yeah, that was of course one of the top three best-selling vehicles, in, you know, in the U.S. this year. And in fact, all of the top three were all American trucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is uh, this is a Ford. Uh, there's the F-150. Yeah. There's GM Silverado, which is another pickup. And then the Dodge Ram 1500. I so knew the Ram was it. I mean, yeah. it's the top three selling vehicles, and then. You know, I guess another couple things we can just mention here is GM sold more vehicles in 2014 than any other automaker. Uh, Ford was also the best-selling brand for the fifth straight year, and the Dearborn Automaker's F-150 pickup was the best-selling truck for the 38th straight year. Which is crazy. 38-year run for the Ford F-150, and the Toyota Camry was the nation's best-selling car for the 13th consecutive year. So the Camry is still up there uh, at number one, and that, again, was for, uh, what did I say? 
That was the 13th year for that mm-hmm. one. Incredible. I've got far more numbers. I mean, these can be broken down in a bunch of different ways. Sure. Um, like type of car, yeah. year, generation. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there's so many ways to look at this stuff. I mean, it's really pretty fascinating when you dig into it. And some of the numbers are a little tough to get early on in the year like this. You know, like mm-hmm. later we'll learn a little bit more about 2014 and what really happened. But, um, these are decent numbers, I guess, from, uh, I got these from the Detroit News, by the way. And I think maybe they got them from the automotive news. I'm not sure exactly what their source was, but again, I went to the Detroit news and found all that stuff. So you can look that up if you like, um, and see how they broke it down. It's really pretty interesting. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the 13 worst selling cars of 2014 in, in the United States. Asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump on you. Oh there, no, but, you uh, got, we need all the asterisks we can get. I on think that we one. need extras on that, mm-hmm. as we as we pointed out ahead of time. It's like the label on Kool Aid. Have you ever read the ingredients in Kool Aid? <laughs> I haven't in a long, long time. They have to make uh, different symbols. So there's like an asterisk for one thing, and then a tiny little cross for mm-hmm. something else. It's like that. But uh, we hope you enjoyed this, and we also hope you enjoy the very first listener email. Of 2015. Ah, yay! <laughs> well, you know this guy. You've been talking to this guy for a while. Okay. Uh, so Stephen L. wrote to us, and he had a very interesting thing to say. The subject line is BANG, WTF. Ah, yes. All caps. Now I remember. So Stephen has a bit of a bone to pick with us. He says, I can't believe no one mentioned it before. Please don't bang on the table. I think that's what you're doing because when you get excited about something or making a firm point, it happens, but it makes my whole car shake like something just hit it or something's blown. It freaks me out and it happens to other cars, so it's not just the speaker in that vehicle. And then he says, you know, keep up the good work. Thanks to the podcast, they make journey to work more bearable. Now, you wrote to Stephen. We both did. Several times. Yeah. uh, You continue to correspondence. Well, we had a a back and forth because I was really concerned about this. I thought maybe that uh, we were, you know, smacking the table inadvertently or something like that. But I know that we don't really do that. We're not, uh, you know, like we're standing at a podium and and pounding our fist to emphasize (laughs) a point or anything. So I was trying to really uh, dig into this and figure out what was going on, if it was uh, an audio file problem or if there was sure. uh, you know, an upload issue or if it was just you know the equipment that he's using or whatever. I think we determined that it's probably he's got some giant subwoofers in his car and that's <laughs> likely what's going on because he, he even mentioned that you know when he listens to it on his phone or you know some other device, a laptop or whatever, um, you know the, the tiny little speakers they don't really have this issue. But when he gets in his car or not just that one car but other cars as well. Um, that, you know, there's this bang that he says it's almost as if his tire is blown out or something. And we appreciate when someone hips us to this. I just, I had this picture, this image in my head of this bang WTF moment, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, an apology, Stephen. Thanks for your patience. We are working on, uh, being less, what, what would you say? Oh, I don't know. I don't know how to even. I don't, I, I don't know if I really slam on the table. I know I have a few times. Yeah, we may, uh, move a pen or something that, uh, knocks around, but, uh, we'll try to catch that stuff in the future. <laughs> Sorry about that. And, uh, hopefully it wasn't an issue for other listeners as well. You know, if it was, uh, turn down the bass a little bit. <laughs> so, Happy turn down for what? I'm sorry, I'm obligated to say that. Uh, so, uh, happy new year, everybody. Let us know what you would like to hear more about in the future. We are heading out for today, but you can still find us anytime you want on the internet where we are car stuff HSW on Twitter, on Facebook. We have our own website. Uh, we're doing videos now. Oh yeah, lots of videos. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would love to hear from you. So send us an email. Our address is carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. 
As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene, what's good? But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh. Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.